Hello and welcome to the How They Did It Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alec Taylor, the founder of Diverse VC. Today we have Nigel, and this is our part two where we take a deeper dive on his background, being an entrepreneur, being a black man, going to A&T, talking about so many amazing things. So tune in, check it out. Nigel, I want to talk a little bit more about who you are and, and take a little bit deeper dive into your story. Talk about resume plug, talk about working at Facebook, talk about paying off your student debt and talk about black youth's interests. I think these are two great topics. So let's hop right into it. Nigel, you know, you've been involved in entrepreneurship for years. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? For sure. Uh, so first off, again, Nigel Hammett, appreciate Alex for bringing me on. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, and a lot of entrepreneurs around me. My grandmother actually, um, you know, cleaned up, you know, white people's houses before segregation as an entrepreneurial job. Like she was a maid, uh, she scrubbed floors, and her mother actually was a numbers runner for my folks in the car that doesn't know what that means. Doesn't know what that is before the official lottery system was built. You know, somebody in their neighborhood had to take tickets and numbers. And so that's kind of like, you know, what my grandmother did and um, her mother did. And, and even my own mom, um, she actually was a financial planner when I was in my early youth. So a lot of great influences, um, being my mom, being educated and being a financial planner. My grandma, you know, having her own daycare. And, you know, she put us on little entrepreneurial tasks like we painted fences. We, you know, you know sold candy, sold, you know, snowballs, ice cones. So really coming from that type of background and it really transpired, you know, into my college career and it, and it helped me out, you know, face a lot of different adversities later down the road. Definitely. That makes a lot of sense. And then, so tell us a little bit about your college. You know, you went to, you got into college. What did you do there? And kind of fast forward us to today. What are you doing now? For sure. So I went to North Carolina A&T, you know, it's the largest public HBCU, historically black college university in the entire world. And it was a wonderful experience, literally like a, a magical bubble. And, you know, I went to A&T for engineering, industrial systems engineering. And I quickly learned that, you know, majors are great, but you don't have to put yourself in a box. So I did everything like I did, you know, uh, press release, you know, BT, red carpets. I did, you know, marketing. I did public speaking and as well as engineering all of those things combined as well as forming my business leader definitely played a very pivotal role for me. I love that. I love that. And so then you graduated. What did you start doing after that? So upon graduation, it's crazy. I got the offer from Facebook literally a week before graduation. Um, it was crazy. Literally graduating is my birthday. I got the Facebook offer. Um, so, you know, working at Facebook, I'm an account manager the global sales team, essentially, you know, handling ads, working with big businesses, colleges. And it's fun. It's something that I wanted to do. And so you know, I had the ability to move to Chicago, going back to Baltimore, back to Chicago. So uh, working at Facebook is, is really nice. And then as well as I'm an entrepreneur and an investor and everything is a good, good mix for me. I love that so much. And I do want to take a quick second because I don't think we're going to stay on Facebook for very long. But given that it is just such a hot name in today's society, I want to talk to you a little bit about one being in the ad agency, because as of recent, there's been a lot of scrutiny on the way that Facebook does advertisements. And I'm not really asking so much to tell you, tell your opinion on that. But it's a really interesting role. Could you tell us a little bit about like what your day to day is like? And then I'd like to kind of pivot back on how, you know, Facebook has supported you in growing the person that you're trying to become and, you know, entrepreneurial endeavors, et cetera. For sure. I mean, working at Facebook is, is interesting, like, cause you know, Facebook owns Instagram, WhatsApp, Messenger. When I say, yo, like, like no, I'm like, oh, Instagram. 
like what no you don't like so i get that all of the time um so it's really cool in terms of the publicity but just like you said has you know just like anything else fair share of challenges i've really been able to examine the ad spaces something like yo you're on target trying to get a t-shirt and then tomorrow you're going to see t-shirts pop up on your feed so it's a different interesting world something that i didn't do in college but I like it for me personally because I'm learning how business works, how the advertising world works, and things that I could tangibly use in the future. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And talking about how Facebook has been able to support you, and I think this is kind of that transition piece to resume plug, how has Facebook supported you in generating and growing resume plug as well as just your entrepreneurial endeavors? For sure. I mean, number one, which I didn't necessarily need, but it helps having like a juggernaut like Facebook on the resume, but an extreme credibility boost. I mean, pretty much can walk into any room, um, any circle and, and be able to add value because everyone uses Facebook and Instagram. And then in terms of resume plug, you know, I started that back at a and It's crazy, the growth in terms of, you know, how, how, how far we've gone with resume plug. But now it's really about, you know, giving back. You know, actually, when I got the job at Facebook, I made a, a side bet with the recruiter in a, in a laughing, jokeable way. But I said, hey, look, man, you know, if I get this job, you got to let me come back to A&T and, and run the career fair, you know, and do my thing. And so, you know, Facebook allows me to still come back to A&T and then they allow me to go speak at different colleges and universities about what we do at resume plug. But also having that credibility of working at, you know, a large tech company like Facebook. Absolutely. No, I completely love that. Now let's talk about resume plug. How did it come about? You know, obviously it's about giving back, but you know, where did you see this need? Why were you the person to fill it? Tell me a little bit about your kind of entrepreneurial experience and journey on building and growing uh, resume plug. For sure. For sure. It's crazy, man. Like, you know, everyone's in college. Like I said, I, I, you know, came from a a good family um, of entrepreneurs, but you know, I'm down in North Carolina. You know, I didn't like most freshmen have a lot of experience, like corporately wise, and I didn't have, you know, parents that could just like plug me in or like anything like that. So what I had to just, you know, get my resume together, and I really crafted it for like months. And I combined, you know, crafting a resume personally with my speaking ability and the way I can describe things, and was making a lot of things happen, getting jobs and getting opportunities. But I was like, you know, why can't I do that for someone else? And that's when it started. Like, I just started making the first resume I actually sold was like $10 back in college. And I know all of my resume clients personally. I've probably done over 500 up to date. I have a team now. And, you know, it started for me needing, you know, the first experience is always the hardest. And I know that. And I can, you know, fully work up with a lawyer, doctor, engineer, or, you know, to a high school dropout, somebody that just needs their resume tightened up. So I'm fully capable and I'm glad to see where it's grown. I love that. that. That makes a lot of sense. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of the things you've seen. And honestly, I'd like to, to draw some of this conversation on some of the interests you've seen in black youths. And I think there's a connection there. You know, what what have you seen from that? And, and tell me a little bit more about that. So here's the thing that I realized, especially in my investing and entrepreneurial journey. And again, I'm a student athlete. I played tennis at Division One college and, you know, played football, basketball, pretty much my entire life. Here's what I realized. If you look at like 50, 60 years ago, and you were to turn on the NBA, you wouldn't see anybody that really looked like me. It wasn't allowed. And it only took one or two, you know, think of Jackie Robinson with baseball, prime examples to go ahead and break that. All right. We're talking old days. I'm going to make it make sense. So, okay, you got Jackie Robinson. You got, you know, 
Oscar um, Robinson and Dr. J, all of these great prominent figures back in the day, basketball players. And so growing up as a, as a you know black kid, that's what you see, like, or a rapper or a rock star. You know, like, you, you see that, like, rapping, rock star, like, sports, you prioritize that as a kid. And every day, you know, we go outside and we shoot hoops. All right, we, we play ball. And so what I realized to make this all make sense is when I got a job offer, I'm not going to say the company, but, you know, it was a financial company in Wall Street. And, you know, I walked on the trading floor and I was blown away. I like, and I swear to you not, I, I didn't see any single colored person on the entire trading floor. And I thought, well, you know, it kind of makes sense in its own way because not to our fault of, it, of our own, but we don't prioritize that. Unfortunately, all we know is, hey, you know, let's get DJ playing, you know, rec football. And that's great. But what if we put that same energy into being a big time investor, a big time businessman. And you see that today. I see on the news a lot of positive examples of young kids like killing the game. And I'm like, okay, that's what we need to start moving to. We like that's becoming like the new cool. So for me, that's what I've really realized in terms of the youth, not only black youth, just youth in general. What they prioritize as a kid, like can really, you know, they can be the next Barack Obama or a huge businessman if they really start training young the same way that we do for basketball or football. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it really draws the conversation to, you know, it's a lot harder to break into something when you can't see yourself in that role. Right. And I think that this comes down to the idea of if there's no role model, right, that you can necessarily just kind of, you know, look to and, and, and see as, oh, you know, Will Smith did great at acting in X, Y and Z. You see yourself, oh, I could be an actor. Uh, I could be on Bad Boys. So you have somebody you can visualize yourself with. But when you don't have anybody in business, you know, on the trading floor, when you don't have anybody in engineering, when you don't have anybody, you know, working on aerospace, when you don't have many entrepreneurs working historically, you know, non-black industries, it makes it a little bit more challenging to kind of break into them because you don't feel that immediate connection or necessarily that alignment of space. You know, what have you done to try to, or, or what have you seen for people to be able to break into these spaces? You know, how, how do you go about pioneering that, that environment if you're one of the early adopters into that space? Yeah, it all comes down to your level of exposure. Um, you know, for me, that's why, you know, I love going to North Carolina a and one of the first times in my life where I saw, you know, people that look like me just being so well-spoken and like, you know, uh, you know, skin, honestly, skin, skin color was removed as a factor. And as much as a lot of people like to say it, it's not a factor, but we, you know, it, it, it is in a lot of different spaces. And, you know, when I was at college, being that skin color was removed and I could just see a lot of people that look like me being great leaders, speakers. I'm like, everything I saw in terms of just black men that I love, I'm like, okay, I'm about to add that to my bag. I'm about to add that to my game. So when we're thinking about the youth. They have to see it. So for me, when I come back, like, and especially when I was in college, doing some small teaching, really showing the kids like, hey, this is what you can do, man. Like, like so at the end of the day, like, this, they knew about it. Like, whatever they decide to do, they, they know that there was somebody they acknowledged that did X, Y, Z and made it happen. And if they don't have that exposure, which a lot of, kids don't that's when you said it, it becomes very difficult to actually go out and do it and definitely i think i want to take an opportunity just to kind of like drop some exposure and you know looking at things such as youtube videos on you know people who are in the industry going on linkedin looking for people you know that that you can get referred to right asking just mentors do you know anybody that you can refer me to right i think the the old saying of closed mouth doesn't get fed it really speaks true to to being successful in the world of hey you got to ask, you got to 
tell people, you have to put it out there that I want this thing because you can't expect somebody to read your mind. And once you realize that, you can start to take actions, reaching out, sending out emails, asking so-and-so person to play connector, following up consistently and being persistent. And you'll start to be able to break into that that stuff. So really, really fantastic talk there. So let's let's move the ball a little bit further forward now. I want to talk a little bit more really about your your history and investment. So when I think it was a few months ago, there was a Yahoo Finance article that was posted on you where you were talking about how you're able to pay off almost $50,000 in debt in one year, which is really impressive. First year out of college, as as well as, you know, being able to be frugal and, and, and be able to manage your finances. I want to talk about that because personal finance is really, really important in a society where we have more distractions that make us want to buy things than ever. Could you tell me a little bit more, Nigel, about how you embarked on your financial journey from a, a frugality standpoint? And then how did you make sure to earn money in the financial markets to, to yeah. kind of help you pay things off? For sure. It really all comes down to mindset. And again, sounds super cliche, but you know, the simple things, Alec, are also simple not to do. And, you know, when I graduated from A&T and I got a nice job at Facebook, I actually decided to not grab the fanciest apartment. I stayed in Southside Chicago, 51st and King, for any of the Chicago listeners. Um, Brownsville, you know, not, not, not the best neighborhood, not the worst, but definitely could afford something a lot better. But the reason why I chose to do that is because I knew that I needed to get uncomfortable. All right, I had my eyes and my mind really locked on hitting this student loan goal. And not only did I want to get uncomfortable, it allowed me to have a very low expense ratio. Like my expenses were extremely low, which meant, you know, I could be more risky in terms of, you know, learning different, you know, businesses or, or, or investing more of my money into the markets. And so when you add those combination of discipline um, and skill set, it really isn't too far off to accomplish a big goal like that. Definitely. I think that's just like, first off, housing expenses is one of the biggest things people say like, hey, you have to spend on average a quarter of your salary goes to living, right? So you said, let's just say simple math, make 100K. That means on average, you'll spend about $25,000 a year on housing alone. That's a substantial amount of money. If you can reduce that uh, to 15,000 to 10,000, and granted, a lot of these numbers can be Bay Area numbers too, you know, which really inflate things. It's very different if you're working in the Bay Area versus if you're working in, let's say, the Research Triangle, North Carolina area. Now, let's talk about focusing a little bit more on that 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 investment piece and that's something i really wanted to dive into you know how did you one give us a background on your investment kind of background and knowledge and then two how did you go about scaling your investments you know what what resources do you use can you open that up so that people who are listening will be able to kind of implement this honestly into their own lives yeah i started investing when i was in college um and again for the folks that aren't as familiar it sounds really intimidating. A lot of people like to use a lot of big names and big numbers, but it's honestly not using very fifth grade algebra type skills. You know, for example, I started with the app, you know, Robinhood, just simply buying stocks and just understanding what was going on. Again, I knew that in the beginning, I wasn't going to be rich from trading and investing. What I was more interested in is just getting familiar because I knew I could do this the rest of my life. And, you know, once I had the actual capital, you know, working a full-time job and I had, you know, almost a year and a half of practice in college, 
you know, it was very doable with certain, you know, goals that I had. And outside of the stock market, I also, you know, had cryptocurrency. I also trade in the foreign exchange market. Um, so very diverse. And um, it just took time. But it's one of those things, if you have to think about what's harder, like I think it's harder to be a computer science engineer than it is to click a couple buttons and drop, jump in a couple trades. So it's all relative. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned two industries that people you know, don't typically go into, and that's crypto and foreign exchange, but also just stock in general. So let's talk about stocks really quick. We'll, we'll just isolate each one. Talking about stocks, did you go opt in for single types of stocks, right? Like big ticket, you know, Apple, Amazons, or did you go for indexes, right? An amalgamation of, of stocks. Kind of what was your tactic there? Yeah, so I, I, the stock market was like my first thing that I really got introduced to in terms of just like investing. So it was just simple stocks, you know. I would try to day trade a few times, maybe make a couple like weekly trades. And for those that don't know, that would be like me buying and selling in the same day for a profit. But usually I would, at first, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit more risky. I was trying to like find those hot ticket stocks, like the ones that would literally shoot up in a day, like more penny stocks or smaller companies. But as I went on, I just literally just left it in there. I didn't do a lot of mutual funds and like Alec was saying, mutual funds, like a collection of different stocks. I just would buy stocks and hold on to them. And I also practice saving a lot through my internships and college, saving and like pulling money out of each paycheck, just using that discipline. Just to tap in and talk a little bit about crypto and then foreign exchange. Could you yeah. tell us a little bit about what crypto is just for our listeners who might not be necessarily familiar with it? And then, you know, how did you go about getting into it and kind of give us a little insight there? Yeah. So for the folks that aren't familiar with cryptocurrency, it's essentially a digital coin um, that is essentially man-made and created, but it's the ability to send um, currency via these coins. You've probably all heard of Bitcoin. There's also, you know, Ethereum, Ripple, and thousands of other coins. Um, but for me personally, it, you know, cryptocurrency at the time I started in 2018, it was crazy. Like, you know, at that time, you know, I remember like it was yesterday, like Christmas of 2018, you know, the, the market for cryptocurrency is going absolutely berserk. That's when everyone was finding out about Bitcoin. So, I was trading cryptocurrency and, you know, I had a, a bunch of coins as well. So it was just about me and my friends trying to get the most coins and, and who can make the biggest flip. So that's a little friendly competition we had when it came to the cryptocurrency coins. I like that. And did you stay with the more popular ones or did you go with kind of the little one-offs? Any, any advice there? Yeah. So I, we use Coinbase. Um, it's still, you know, probably one of the more premier cryptocurrency is right there in San Francisco. And it's crazy at the time, you know, people didn't really even know what it was. And now, you know, you see Bitcoin machines. Um, but yeah, I, I mainly uh, got Bitcoin, Ripple, and I, I think I did a smaller cryptocurrency like Tron, TRX way back. It was like two pennies. So we just loaded up on them. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I have uh, some family that did the same thing. I remember looking at all the charts and such of, of like, two cents and then they shoot up to like two dollars but you don't realize that's that's a huge gain if you bought even a hundred dollars you know you know so it goes quick that's awesome now foreign exchange this is something that many people may not understand could you tell you know some of our listeners what foreign exchange is and like how do you even get involved do you do that on Robinhood? do you do it on e-trade do you do it on td america you know how do you how do you do that 
Yeah, so it's crazy. Forex, uh, foreign exchange is like the, one of the last elements to my trading bag. And what it is, for the folks that may know better than me, especially from all my international folks or people with family members from other places in the country, you know, when I go to Mexico or Canada, I cannot use the $20 bill. I just can't. They will look at me like, what is this? So when you're in the airport or when you're in a travel or general center, you go up to the booth to exchange your money. You might give them a $20 bill in Canada and they'll give you back, you know, a 10. Okay. And so that concept and that rate, if you go back there next week, they may give you back a five or $8. That rate is constantly being changed every single second of the day, 24 seven. And it's actually the largest financial market in the world. So when I, you know, really figured out like about the foreign exchange market, I've never been out the country at that point. So, I, you know, I didn't really understand. I've never been to like the foreign exchange booth, but what I did understand is that every country has its own system of money and they all have to be connected in one way. So um, the last thing that I'll share about the foreign exchange market is actually how the banks make most of their money. You know, they, they take our savings accounts and, you know, they, they don't have $50 billion sitting in the bank. You know, it's floating in space. We all know that as a kid, but we didn't know exactly where it's at. And it's actually sitting in the foreign exchange market. They're the largest players. And, you know, I'm just a little guy in there trying to make a few dollars. I love it, man. No, that's really cool. For people who want to get more into invest, investing, do you have any resources yeah. that you would suggest they take a peek at? Any any S1s, like how, how people could go about learning more? Yeah, especially for my younger folks or even older folks. Like, number one, it's, it's never too late. You know, a lot of times we get discouraged and we feel like we didn't grow up in that space and we think it's too late. I personally recommend, like, reading first. Like, I, you know, I told my little sister she had to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad before I taught her anything because – you want to know why you're investing. So Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great resource. Um, Morning Brew is a great resource. Robin Hood, the app, and then Robin Hood Snacks is a great resource. Um, and it's fun. Like literally think about if you don't like finance, you think it's confusing, think about your favorite companies and like research what they're doing. Like, you know, if you like, you know, H&M, Forever 21, Chipotle, like they're huge stocks and that can make it a little bit more enticing for you couple of quick call-outs, compound interest right there. Over time, I think there's one famous guy was saying how if you put from the age of 18 for the next eight years, so you're at 26 years old, you put basically $30,000 into a 401k and it increases at a rate of eight to 12%. Usually 10% on average is what the stock market increases at. You have like $1.8 million by the time you retire. So compounding interest is the money continues to build up upon itself if you don't take any out or spend any of it. And I think that's some of what, what we're tapping into right there. Nigel, absolutely fantastic. I wanna to talk to you about the last thing, and that's the fact that you're not a robot, you're a human, and you've clearly done a great job of showing that. What do you do, you know, especially during COVID, there's so much going on, but what do you do to regenerate, recuperate, and, and just like enjoy life? Yeah, no, great question. And transparently speaking, still figuring out and working on different kings. I'm actually probably later going to slide to the beach. Uh, I live here in Miami, Florida. Um, but it's all about finding, you have to ask yourself the blatant question, bro, or sis, you know, what makes you happy? And it sounds cliche again, but it's like, you know, is it watching sports? Is it playing video games, watching movies? And most of the time we're, we're humans, like you said, Alec, social interaction, like meet up with your friends, spend time with your family, like especially if they live near you um, and they can always make you feel better. So for me, it's about like getting outside nature, you know, maybe calling up a friend, but it can be tough. It just depends on how thick your skin is, but you know yourself better than I do. Know what your buttons are and your triggers are. And just don't let, don't let yourself get to that low point. 
Nigel, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure being able to chat about the wealth of topics that we had today. You have an extremely bright future and uh, definitely excited to have you as a peer in my eyes. So look forward to all the amazing things that you continue to do. I do want to create a platform. If you would like to share, if anybody would want to reach out to you or get connected, how can they connect with you? For sure. So probably the best place is either on Instagram or LinkedIn. On Instagram is just Nigel's Canvas. N-I-G-E-L-S, Canvas, like the art painting. And on LinkedIn, it's just my first and last name, Nigel Hammond. Um, Just shoot me a quick message. Don't be a stranger. Let me know how you enjoyed the podcast. And I look forward to connecting with you guys. Nigel, man, really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right, boss. Take care. That's all for now, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the How They Did It podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, investors, and business people to understand more about their unique industry, their diverse backgrounds, and how they did it. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. In the meantime, please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at our handle, DiverseVC, for Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also become a member of our growing community where you can connect with other business people, entrepreneurs, and investors on our LinkedIn community page. I'm your host, Alec Taylor, and I hope to have you tune back in for our next episode of the How They Did It podcast. See you there.